0: Because I haven't said it in a while, I'll say, all right, so? Does that work? This morning we're going to be picking up in Acts 22 uh, instead of our Revelation study. Um, It'll be a little bit more of a casual study this morning, obviously. But we'll read through uh, Acts chapter 22 and see what it has to say. Um, the title of the message... is, I persecuted this way. I persecuted this way. if we remember Paul, uh, he had gone on his missionary journeys and as he came back, he kept receiving uh, prophecy that uh, he was going to be bound in Jerusalem. And remember, everyone who loved him was like, Paul, don't go up to Jerusalem. It's not a good idea. You're going to get arrested. You're going to be beaten. Bad things are going to happen to you there. Uh, And remember that Perhaps they took the word of the Lord and they put their own interpretation on it that he shouldn't go because he was going to be uh, arrested or bound. But Paul took it the other way. He said, I've been preparing. I'm prepared. I'm ready to even die for the gospel's sake. And uh, I remember as he went out and taught that a riot started happening and they started to beat him. And then the Roman uh, guards showed up. Basically, the cops showed up and broke it up and began to pull him out. And they arrested him. Uh, for inciting uh, the violence, even though he did nothing wrong, he was the one arrested. Uh, but we remember that he asked uh, if he could speak to them. Remember that the Jewish people were, were Paul's people. He was a Jew of the Jews, as he would say, that he loved them. Uh, but God had called him to the Gentiles. And he always longed for that chance to go back and talk to the Hebrews. And well, he had it here. Uh, and it was short-lived but for him, but long-lived for us, as it's in Scripture. So Uh, Let's pick it up in chapter 22, and we'll read and uh, stop and comment when necessary, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak it to us, and uh, God, guide us by it, and help us live by your Spirit. Fill us, we pray. We thank you for it, and we pray for all those who are being persecuted around the world, that you would strengthen them, encourage them this morning, and bring their captors to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 22, Paul begins this speech to... Uh, this unruly mob uh, as the guards began walking him up uh, the steps to basically uh, the police station. He says, brethren and fathers, you know, he respects them. He calls them brethren and fathers. You know, he's like, you sinners. He says, brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. You know, he's having this public trial. He says, and when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. That In the time of this world, there were many languages spoken, Greek, Latin, Hebrew, Aramaic. And in order to get by in the world, you had to use these other languages. But when he spoke to them in Hebrew, they kept silent. That there was a reverence among them when they spoke to each other in Hebrew. Uh, Perhaps they spoke uh, more in private in Hebrew, maybe more just the synagogue. But that when he spoke Hebrew, it got their attention. Because he wasn't just some guy. Uh, talking about their faith. He wasn't just some errant person, but he obviously knew their language. He knew uh, the word of the Bible. And so they listened. I think I would listen too if I was somewhere else and someone began to speak English. You just can't help but listen. But this got their attention. And he said, I am indeed a Jew. I'm born in Tarsus of Cilicia and brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, He was one of the leading uh, teachers of uh, uh, Hebrew law of their day. Uh, Taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous towards God as you all are today. He's saying, guys, I was just like you. He's, he's, He's even, in a sense, complimenting them on their zeal for God and the fact that they're beating him up because they believe that he's blaspheming. I mean, obviously they're misguided, but... He's not using that as a divisive. He's trying to draw them together. And he says, in verse 4, I persecuted this way, and that's Christianity, Jesus the Messiah, coming to faith in him. He said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. And also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there in Jerusalem, to be punished. Saying, "Guys, I was just upset. You are. When, in fact, even more so. I used to arrest people. I used to arrest Christians. I was headed up to Damascus to grab more people that I found out to arrest them and deal with them." And he says, "When I went up there, and verse six, as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And this wasn't the noonday sun. This was a supernatural light." I believe it was the Shekinah glory of God in a sense. Uh, it was Jesus appearing to him and it says, I fell to the ground, it, was, it, it knocked him off his horse. And he heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Those are the words of Jesus. But this man who was persecuting Christians was in fact persecuting the God who he thought he was serving. And so he answered, who are you, Lord? not, you know, Lord is just a, a term of respect, not as much as he's calling Lord, but he said to him, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. That when anyone is persecuted, when you and I are persecuted for Jesus, we're just a conduit for that person to really put out their hatred on God. That you may, you may think it's personal, maybe it may feel like personal, obviously it feels personal if you're getting beaten, but really they're just attacking God, that the enemy is using them to attack you, to try and attack God. That Jesus takes personal offense, personal interest, when his people are persecuted. You know, if someone were to come in and hurt my children, I would take personal offense. I would say, why are you persecuting me, in a sense? I would step up and get in the place for them. And Saul says, well, he's Paul, but Saul at the time, he said, those who are with me, Indeed saw the light, and they were afraid, but they did they not hear the voice of him who spoke to me? You know that sometimes we'll hear the voice of God, but others won't. But they saw the light. They saw what was happening. It was undeniable to them that something crazy was happening. Verse 10 says, So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there will be told the things which, you are, which are appointed for you to do. That... Paul saw at this point, it was clear to him what he was doing. And he had no idea what to do from this point. He was knocked off his horse. He was blinded by the light. He heard the voice. He said, Lord, what do I do now? What do I do now? His ideas, his, his will was completely broken at this point, And would continue to be broken in the next couple of days. But I like what Jesus says to him. He says, Arise, go to Damascus, and there he be told all things which are appointed for you to do. That even this man saw a persecutor of a church, someone who was zealous for uh, the law, at least as they interpreted it of God, that God had things appointed for him to do. Now these weren't just, Jesus wasn't just trying to get back at Paul and give him something to do to make up for what he's doing. That Jesus had a plan for Paul's life. Uh, it was appointed for him, uh, as the Bible even say, before even all of creation, that God had a plan and a purpose for him. And Paul says, and since I could not see for the glory of that light and the word glory can mean brightness, but it also means glory that I feel like this light was not just a bright light. It wasn't just a super bright spotlight on him, but it was this supernatural glorious light that had power, more power to it than just uh, light that the, the light of the noonday sun. And the hand of those are with me and I came to Damascus. So they, they had to carry him by the hand in the, into the city. He had no idea where he was going. And it said, Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour I looked up at him. Remember the story of Ananias. God appears to Ananias and says, Ananias, go over here and, and, and meet this man Saul. And Ananias goes, Lord, you know this is the guy who's been killing all your people. Uh, you, do you really want me to go there or I'm going to get hurt? I'm going to get, God's like, Ananias, relax. I have a plan for him too. So Ananias being obedient, probably scared out of his mind and trepidatious going up to the door and, hello, Uh, is is there a Saul here? Oh, they didn't hear me. But he went and he prayed for Saul. He prayed for this man who had been persecuting the church. And it says that the scales fell off of Saul's eyes and that he could see again that he needed this prayer for him. He needed uh, to meet other believers and get in the right way. And I remember getting saved, God appearing in my life and and then going to church. And all of a sudden it was like scales fell off of my eyes as I began to hear someone teach the word as people hugged me and loved me. And I began to see what it was really all about. I had believed, but I needed that touch to then begin to to see it be more real. can't just live in a vacuum. And he said in verse 14, uh, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. I believe that's for all of us, that God has chosen us that we would know his will. I mean, more so for Paul in a sense, because Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament that God gave this man who persecuted the church church, ends up writing a lot of the foundational doctrine for the church. I mean, tell me that's not God right there. He didn't use someone who was on board from the beginning. He was someone who was diametrically opposed to it from the beginning. as we'll see more in a little bit. He says for you, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And Paul has been a witness to those around him. But, and like I said, in the Bible throughout all of history, this word has been a witness and Paul's life has been a witness and I think it's interesting and I says and why are you waiting get up and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord like Paul you don't need to wait and hear any other instructions you know what to do now get up and do it and that's so important that when God speaks to us we don't sit around we get up and go we get up and do it when you know the right thing to do is to repent when you know the right thing to do is to ask God to forgive you and become a Christian just get up and go you know the next step. Like I knew I had to go to church. And so the next Wednesday, I think I skipped out on Sunday because I was afraid. But the next Wednesday, I went to church. And then that was it. I've been going ever since. And it happened when I returned to Jerusalem, Paul says to the crowd, and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. So Paul, you know, it's not like we hear the word trance and we think weird stuff. We think new age. We think substances but i tell you when we pray and we worship when we spend time with the lord i'm not saying i've ever been in a trance where i felt like i've totally been in heaven There's times i've been in worship with the lord and it's just like i just sense like i'm in heaven i sense uh, like i don't care about the world around me i only care about heaven i only care about god Uh, i care about those i love and even those i don't love and i'm just in the presence of god it's not something you can manufacture. It just happens. But Paul, so much so, was in one, um, and he saw Jesus saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. That right away, ever from the beginning, Jesus says, you've got to get out of Jerusalem. You've got to get out of the, the, the circle of the Jewish people that you love so much, that you're a part of, because they're not going to listen to you. You know, the Bible talks about that a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. And people go, I know who you are. They've been so affected by you that the change is so radical in you. It's just somehow they just won't receive it. And yet someone, a total stranger, comes in and gives them the same message, and they'll receive it from them. He says, Lord, I know that that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death. you remember... It's probably 30, 40 years ago by now, uh, at least, that uh, when Stephen was martyred, Paul was there. Paul was a, a young, up and coming, uh, you know, uh, zealous dude. And he was holding on and guarding the clothes of those who were doing the judging, of those who were stoning him, that he was complicit. He didn't throw a stone, but he was there. And he was looking around and he goes, Yes, this is where I learned what needs to happen to Christians. He was consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Almost like, God, like, you know who I am. You know what I've done. How can I go do this? How can I go tell other people, about Jesus, when I was consenting of killing Stephen, your first martyr? And Jesus said to him, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Paul's mission was much larger than the nation of Israel. It was the nations of the world. It was not close to his hometown. It was far away from his hometown. God may send you and I far away to reach a people who are nothing like us, who are not at all like us, we have to go to China, we have to go to Africa, go to Canada. I don't know. Go to some place where they're just not like you. And maybe they'll listen and maybe they won't. Some will and some won't. But if God is sending you, you need to go. And at this point, verse twenty-two, they listened to him until this word, because as soon as the, the Jews, the strong, zealous Jews of their day, hear the word Gentile, the Gentiles were less than people. They call them dogs. God sending you that we were, we were listening. You had us, but now you're telling that God would send you to the Gentiles. Are you kidding? And their rage was incensed again, and they raised their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Man, we were mad before. We were beating before. We gave him a chance. The message sounded interesting, but you said Gentiles. That was, talk about being triggered. These guys were triggered. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes, that was a sign of, you know, they ripped their clothes. That was a sign of grief and disapproval. And they threw dust into the air. And the commander of the Romans ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging. Do you know what examine and scourging means? That means they're going to whip you until you talk or they're just going to whip you. Like and people didn't always walk away from being examined. In fact, that's kind of what happened to Jesus that he was examined with those lashes, uh, with the cat of nine tails. And so that most people were killed by that. But, um, so that they might know why they shouted so much against them. Like the gent, they didn't get it. They heard Paul's message. The Romans were like, okay, they didn't understand what would whip them up into such a frenzy. And so they were going to beat him and get it out of him. Talk about police brutality. You think police are bad? <laughs> this was totally lawful. They'll whip you. I think we <laughs> yeah, maybe if we experience some of that, we might get our, uh, uh, our perspective straightened out a bit. And as they bound him with thongs, that's like leather, uh, leather ropes, uh, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, now this is smart of Paul, He's being handcuffed. He's being tied up, about to be beaten. He doesn't just sit by and take it silently. He uses his head and he says, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Like, I've done nothing wrong. There's no need to rip my back apart. And since Sheridan heard that, he went and told the commander saying, Take care what you do for this man as a Roman. That as a Roman citizen throughout the empire, you had rights. Scourging was not for, it was for the enemies of Rome. It would almost be like if you were in uh, Iraq during the Iraq War, and the CIA had you, and they were going to interrogate you. Well, as a U.S. citizen, if you weren't, you know, in the, committing an act of terror, they have no right to uh, uh, interrogate you with the methods they might interrogate a foreign combatant. And so. Uh, That's basically what Paul was saying. He's like, look, guys, you have no right to do this to me. And the centurion, the commander, went and told his commander, uh, he says, be careful, this guy's a Roman. So then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? And Paul said, yes. The commander answered, with a large amount of money, I've become a citizen. I obtained this citizenship. You know, the Roman citizenship, you can be born into it, or also you could buy it. Like, you could become a citizen, but it took a lot. And this commander was mad because he's like, look, I spent a whole lot of money. It took me a whole lot to get the citizenship and you're a citizen. How did you get to be a citizen? He's really kind of grilling him here. And, uh, and Paul says, but I was born a citizen. So it's like if there was a big difference there, if you are born, it's like you're born an American. It's okay. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're a naturalized citizen, you're naturalized, but the fact that this guy had to basically bribe the Roman government to become a citizen, but there was, it was not quite a second class citizenship, but man, you know, I, I have a feeling that if you bought your citizenship, there might be a way to lose your citizenship. i you know, I don't take my history, don't take that for fact, but I, I, perhaps that that was there. You know, if you're born a citizen, they can't take that away, you're always a citizen. Verse 29 Then immediately those who are about to examine him with withdrew from, you know, they the whips, they're ready, they're, yeah, we're gonna beat a guy today. And they started to walk back because they knew that if they hurt a Roman citizen, they were going to be in huge trouble, that they would be beaten, that they would be scourged, that they would be uh, hurt in many ways. And so the commander was afraid after he found out he was a Roman because he had bound him. He's like, I've already broken Roman law. I've already tied this guy up. He's like, basically like, he never read him his Miranda rights. He never checked his ID. You know, he never gave him a right to a phone call and all that other stuff. So he knew he was in trouble. And verse 30 says the next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was a, uh, accused by the Jews, he released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down to set him before them. Um, and so basically, uh, he said, we're going to keep him overnight. And the next day, we really got to sort this out because I can't let these riots go on and, under my command but I can't beat this guy. I can't get it out. I can't deal with him the way that I would get this over with quickly. And Paul looking earnestly at the council said, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth saying like, here, yeah, right. You've been in good conscience before God. And Paul said to him, God will strike you. You whitewash wall. For you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, Do you revile God's high That Paul lashed out of this guy, not knowing that he was a high priest. <laughs> Paul kind of like lost his temper in a, in a way there. Uh, and Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was a high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. He's like, if, I'm sorry, I, wouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. But when Paul perceived that one part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees, remember there were two sects of these Jewish, some believed in the afterlife and the spiritual, the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't. He cried out in the council of men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am being judged. So the Pharisees believed in resurrection, the Sadducees didn't. And when he had said this, a a dissension arose between the Pharisees and Sadducees and the assembly was divided. Uh, The Sadducees say there is no resurrection. And no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. The Sadducees somehow have gotten so far away from the truth of God, they just take it as allegory. They take it as uh, just stories and and things to live by, while the Pharisees take it as fact. And You'll see that even in Christianity today, that there's parts of Christianity where people don't even believe the things that the Bible say. They think it's just a story. They think it's just a nice method, but that these things couldn't have really happened. But They're sad. you see that these things did happen? They are truth. We confess both. We confess both the word of God and his spirit, the gifts then and now. Verse nine, then arose a loud outcry and the scribes of the Pharisees party arose and protested, saying, we find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And that's a huge deal. Um, even they were persecuting Jesus, the high priest said, Look, like if this is, a, if this is not of God, it will fizzle out. But if it's of God, we can't stop it. And then there arose a great dissension. The commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. And we're going to stop there today. That as they fought... You know, the Romans saw that these people were so mad, so incensed that Paul would be ripped apart, that they'd have a murder and scandal and all this other stuff in the hands that they said, We just need to arrest this guy, get him out of here, keep him in jail uh, for his own good and for uh, the peace in the town. So, uh, Paul, um, man, uh, those prophecies were coming true. Uh, He was bound. The people wanted him bound, the Romans had him bound. Uh, and now he's, in a sense, lost his freedom, and so the Romans can figure out what to do uh, with him. And uh, they're not going to let him go. He's going to go before different Roman governors, and eventually Paul will go all the way uh, up to Caesar uh, uh, before the end of Acts. But we know that, that God has a plan. God had a plan for Paul, no matter where you and I have been, no matter what we've done in our lives. Uh, what we're even doing, that he's able to forgive us. And more than that, he has a plan for us. He's appointed us not to wrath, but to fellowship with his son that we could uh, serve him. Uh, and whatever that looks like. And people may not listen to you. People may even worse than not listen to you. You know, it's one thing when people don't show up, it's another thing when people show up and they want you to, to shut up. Um, and that's what they wanted for Paul. But uh, know that the times today. In a sense, they're no different than the time then, that there's wickedness and evil, that people won't stand for sound doctrine. Uh, But it's still our duty to stand up and preach the word uh, in season and out, whether they'll listen or not. Because the truth is the truth, and it needs to be out. As Jeremiah, the truth burned in him when he held it back. He had to let it go, despite the fact that people didn't listen to him and wanted nothing to do with him. So God, we pray that this morning and in our lives, you would... uh, Help us to speak your truth. Help us to stand up for what is right. We pray for those who don't know you, who are violently opposed to you. God, in a sense, they're so cold, you can get their attention. God, get them, get their hearts to you. Uh, those who would riot and loot and destruct uh, a society that they, they don't understand. God, I pray that you would uh, meet their needs and draw them close to you and show them, uh, God, that you are the way and that that's the, you're the leader they need to follow. You're the cause that will bring them Uh, great comfort and we ask it bless this day bless all those who hear in jesus name amen so may god bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you there is a vineyard of the lord there is a vineyard for our soul. with all our troubles left behind and door we drink first light until the door